This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, results are all that matter for McGee's D. And United aim to spoil Fergie's Pataudry party. Your holiday was interrupted last week with the arrival of new manager Mark McGee. And then it wasn't interrupted with the postponement of the game against St Myrne. I know, that, that was supposed to be my big return, was was just starting with the game. I was looking forward to it because it was such a big game. Dundee obviously trying to get off the bottom, as we were talking about just before. But sadly, the weather had other ideas. And that it's a game that's already been postponed as well. Um, from the end of January, so if it'll ever get played, we'll have to. We don't know yet. Well, it's got to get played, is it? Before, yeah, that's around about the eleventh of April. Eh? They've got to fit it in somewhere over the next month or so. But it was, <laughs> it, it was a good postponement, bad postponement. Mark McGee would, he had made mention of the fact that they had a run of home games coming. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it, it was going to be a big week, obviously, with the three home games in a row. Um, you like to start off with a bit of momentum and, uh, and keep that going but they've got some some key players that are just coming back from injury obviously Charlie Adams missed at uh, Celtic uh, and he was he was actually due to be back at, at some moment, so it won't do him anyhow. so he's not left <laughs> on the way in the Dorman so. told me you'd left <laughs> I don't think so. No. Oh my he was, he oh, my was, stories used to come from Dorman. I mean, if you can't <laughs> believe the Dorman, who can you believe? Well, you have to believe Twitter now because Charlie was on Twitter uh, moaning about the game getting called <laughs> off last night. So I think he was wanting to play somehow. Um, so I see so he was supposed to be back. I'd probably do him the world of good getting a few extra days to help him. Lee Ashcroft is, is, is training, uh, from what I understand, from uh, our man Scott, who stepped in for me over the past week. Um, Jordan Marshall's almost back as well, so it might end up being a good thing because they can get more players on the pitch when they actually get round to playing St Mirren if that ever happens, if the if the weather allows it. And Bear, way back on Sunday, now it seems a long time ago, Mark McGee's first game he watched from the press box at um, Parkhead as Celtic scored a late winner. I've been actually, I'm trying to think, I've been, I've watched in terror and horror and a mix of both from the press box at Parkhead many a time with Dundee and United and I don't think I've ever, oh, I've suffered a late winner with a United Cup tie when Billy, uh, Billy Kirkwood was in charge but usually it's it's the horror of mm. there's only 20 minutes gone and your team's 3-0 down good, bad indifferent start for them well I mean I think if, you, if you're a Dundee fan and given where they've been against Celtic in the past at Parkhead, you would look at that result as a positive. Um, but the fact is they lost, they lost the game, Tam. Um, you know, and, and Mark McGee's quickly quickly pointed out that the biggest feeling among among the team is they're losing goals and, and he's not putting the finger at the defence. You know, he, he, he's not pointing the finger at the defence, I should say. He's pointing at everyone. They have to defend better as a team. And... I think they'll be disappointed in the manner the goals are lost. If you, if you look at them, they're all pretty similar type goals. You know, Celtic are relentless, I have to say, in the way they play. They take it down the line and, and, and they go for 90 minutes. And they did that continually. But every every one of the goals Dundee lost came from the, came from the wide areas. Um, and the third goal especially is, is really disappointing. Um, 
because of the timing of it, they're almost there, they're almost over the line, although, although we know, we've spoken about this on in the past on the podcast, um, and Dundee United suffered as well, with a, a last gasp goal at Parkhead, which, which cost them, but you have to play for the 90 minutes plus stoppage time at Parkhead if, if you're going to get anything. But they just seemed to switch off it. You know, there was there was an overlap on the right-hand side. I think what had happened was uh, Cammy Kerr, had, they'd done their job and it, there was two Celtic players and one of them had gone beyond the line. I'd ran offside and Dundee were comfortable. Had two, but Anthony Ralston made a third runner and that caught them out completely and he gets in behind and he puts it across the box. And why uh, the Celtic lad Giacomis is, is, is where he is and... You know, that's that's bad defending. And unfortunately, Liam Fontaine, who had come on to shore up the back line, I think he'd come on with 15 minutes to go or 10 minutes to go or something. You know, he's behind them. He's in the wrong position, Tam. He's in yeah. the wrong position. He's got to be either alongside them or in front of them to stop that ball getting to where it does. And as, as, once it gets there, he just has to put something on it. It's, it's beyond, the, beyond the keeper. But there were positives for Matt McGee to take from that game. There's no doubt about that. You know, I mean, the fact I've got two goals, a terrific delivery for, for the second goal from them. Again, a good, powerful header from Ryan Sweeney. Um, the first goal again, Danny Mullen, you know, he, he said at the start of the season, well, or earlier on in the season, certainly he was the best striker at the club when, when Lee Griffiths and, and Jason Cummings was there. And we all sort of laughed at him, but he's still there. And those two have gone and, he, and he's proved just how valuable a player he is for Dundee. Not just with his work rate, he's winning the goals as well. Um, so they can take the positives from that, but they do have to shut the back door and have to shut it pretty quickly, Tom, because they cannot keep losing two and three goals a game. You look at their, their, their goal difference, minus 22. They're going to go into the split. If they're still in touch, they could be going into the split effectively, having to get a point more than anyone else because their goal difference will yeah. be that poor. And that's not where they want to be. But I think Mark McGill, I've, I've seen positives there, and, and you know he'll, he'll take that into the games that have got to come. And George, I mean, as Bears mentioned, Mark McGee quickly identified they can't keep losing bad goals. That's their problem. But to put my punter's hat on for a minute, it's maybe summed up by the fact I was listening on the radio on Sunday and as delighted I was that Sweeney had scored to make it 2-2, as soon as they said there's half an hour left, <laughs> I just I, I, my first thought was Dundee need another goal to get a point. Hmm. And even then, it's not guaranteed. And that, that sums them up in a way, doesn't it? It does well. Look at the league table just in front of us. They've conceded forty-five goals in twenty-six games, which a lot of them have been against Celtic. As I've well. got mine upside down, so we're going to be at the top. <laughs> They've conceded how many? They conceded against Celtic uh, thirteen and three. So I played in defences like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and Celtic are relentless because I was listening on the radio as well, and um, very much in the first half. It, Sounded like it was Celtic knocking on the door, but Dundee were getting a lot of credit for the way they were defending. Um, but that team coming up from the championship, the defence in the championship wasn't the best either. I, I, actually, in, fair, in fairness to the Dundee defence, well, maybe not in fairness to the Dundee defenders, but in sympathy with managers all over the place, great header as it was, when you see Ryan Sweeney's goal chaps, you know what managers are up against because it was a set piece. <laughs> and you could work out what Celtic player was marking him. He's the biggest, he's the biggest player in the box. Nobody seemed to notice him. And if Celtic, if, if Celtic can't find a decent centre half, yeah. what hope have the rest got? <laughs> yeah. Although uh, Dundee do have a decent one that is coming back. Lee Ashcroft is... Is the other thing that is the frustrating thing and maybe the most worrying thing that they all look decent until they make a mistake. 
Yeah. That's always the way, though. There's two types. There's two types of bad player. There's a bad player who looks bad for 90 minutes. I was there. (laughs) There's other guys that look good players, but their career is is riddled with Mm. one-off moments of madness and and error. And Dundee've had a few of them, I would say. Jensi Kasunga kind of springs to mind. He was... A guy who played well and then would, would just chuck in a goal in, in the last few minutes, and, and that would it'd be a killer for you, for your team. But it's, it's certainly the part of the pitch that they need to improve on because they're not, not scoring that many goals either. I mean, we're talking about the strikers. Jason Cummings is still the top scorer, so they need to improve at both ends of the pitch. But it's if they can if they can start shutting the the back door, then they only need to get the one goal. Yeah, I think so, as well, in fairness to the, to the central defenders. As I've, as I've said, the three goals come from the wide area. They've got to stop the crosses coming into the box from yeah. those areas. Three goals. First one was down the right-hand side. Second second one came down the left-hand side. And the final one comes down the right-hand side. You've got to stop players getting in behind. You know, and, and stop the crosses coming in from those areas in the first instance. You know, I think Mark McGee is, is looking at that, not just as central defenders, he's looking all across the team saying we can defend better as a team. And that's what they'll have to do. And, and having this game called off might... It's not a huge amount of extra time they'll get into the training pitch, but it might just give them an extra day or afternoon to, to kind of work on that ahead of Saturday's game against Livy, which is going to be a huge one as well. Um, one Dundee home to Livingston would always fancy trying to get points, but Livy have been very good uh, since the turn of the year, and it's not going to be an easy one. And they're certainly a team that knows how to defend. Yeah, I was going to say, are Livingston uh, everything that Dundee want to be right now? They might not score lots of goals, they might not be the most entertaining in, team in the league. But if you beat them, you've worked hard to beat them. I th- yeah, I, th- I think Livingston are probably the, the example that a lot of teams want to live up to. Um, they struggled a bit at the start of this season, but they really got themselves together. Uh, when they played at Den Seller and the, right at the start of the campaign, they were really poor. And Dundee should have beat them, didn't. Uh, which may come back to haunt them, I, I guess. It was, I think it was Lee Griffith's debut, I think. And it ended up 0-0. Um, and Livio fancy fourth. They want the, David Martindale will be looking over his shoulder, of course, and he, he won't stop saying that. But they're only three points off fourth, the Hibs. And was it last season they finished high up in the table? Or was it the yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they'll, they'll be fancying, fancying that again, I, I would imagine. And and they'll be eyeing up the points at Dens. So it's, it's it's a massive one. And we'll just have to wait and see if uh, how the weather is when it comes to Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's snow this morning, sun this afternoon, so it'll be raining by Saturday. But the other thing about them playing Livingston, there were we the uh, the the few hundred fans that travelled down to Arabia earlier, I think it was this year, wasn't it? Dundee didn't show up. No, it was a, it was a poor game. Um, I was at the game at the start of the season at Dens and George's right. Dundee played them off the park that mm-hmm. day and just just couldn't score. And Livingston did look did look a poor side. They looked shaky at the back, but they got themselves through it. And if I remember rightly, they actually could have sneaked it at the end. They had a couple of chances, you know, late on at Dens, which would have been you know daylight robbery. But I have to say that they have improved over the course of the season. David Martindale has done a terrific job with his back line especially. They look really solid um, and they make life incredibly tough, incredibly tough. And you know, if you're going to get something, you're going to have to work really, really hard to get it. And that's what Dundee are going to have to do on Saturday. They're going to have to scrap for every single every single ball that's loose in that area. They're going to have to battle for it. And they're going to have to find a way to, you know, to, get, to get the goals because it is a game they should be targeting three points from 
Um, I don't care what anyone says. Livingston coming to Dens is a game Dundee in the Premier League should be looking to win. Um, so it's, it's vitally important they get that one, considering where they are at this moment in time. Yeah, they're at the stage now, George. Earlier in the season, the big consolation for a while was the level of performance. Hmm. And you thought that that performed, not you particularly, <laughs> or you, you'll get the blame. Might have done that. <laughs> it was your, it's all your fault. <laughs> but we're at a stage of the season where the only thing that matters at the end of 90 minutes is they're picking something up from the game, hopefully wins. Yeah, and they need to get the the support on side as well, I think. The reaction to Mark McGee's uh, appointment last week wasn't, it wasn't good. Uh, I think the performance on Sunday might have helped a little with that, but they, they need to be getting results at home. Pretty much all the matches left before the the split are at home, uh, and one of them's at, at United, so they don't have to travel too far over the next few weeks. Um, getting that then support behind them is going to be absolutely massive. The only way they can do that is, is if fans see that the change that's been made in, in the dugout is, is a positive one, and that the team has a chance of staying up. Yeah, as George says, and knowing the Dundee fans at home. The proof of the pudding for them will be eaten, so to speak. But Bear, is it actually a time for everybody to come together? And if things haven't worked out at the end of the season, that's the time to vent your spleen rather than right now. Yeah, you'd like to think so. <laughs> you'd like to think so, but you know we're at the stage of the season where we're done. They are at the bottom, so they can't. They simply just cannot afford to go on a bad run. No. They can't afford to do that. One thing that's happened with the teams that have gone to the bottom, and Dundee have been there before and they've come off it, St Johnson have been there, they've come off it, Ross County have been there, they've come off it. There is no one allowed themselves to be cut adrift. So Dundee certainly can't afford to do that now. And if that were to happen, things could actually turn a wee bit ugly. I, I, I mean, I, you know, you'd like to think that Mark McGee, normally when a, a new manager comes to, comes to a club, he is sort of welcome, maybe not with open arms, but he's given the benefit of the doubt, certainly initially. Now, unfortunately for Mark McGee, he's, he's going to be in the stand for six games. I've done the go on a poor run. Just think about the first time he walks along the touchline at Dens if they're actually yeah. quite a bit of drift. He could be the first new manager to ever get booed onto the park. You know, so <laughs> but just, it just yeah. doesn't bear thinking about. But let's look on the positive side. They have got a lot of game, games at Dens Park and a lot of winnable games, you would think, mm -hmm. or a lot of games where they can pick up points. So hopefully they can go and do that and it does give the, the whole club, club a lift. And we've talked about players coming back. Lee Ashcroft could be a big part of that. If he can get himself you know, back into that sort of... you know, w One thing he brings is he's a solid defender. You know, He's a no-nonsense defender, but he also has a leadership quality, yeah. which I think has been lacking throughout the season. So if he can get himself back in there and they get that steely mentality, start picking up points, then yeah, get everybody on board and, and get it all going. That's what they need. That's what they need now between now and the next in the split, certainly, and get themselves off the foot of the table. That's that's vitally important as well. I'm just thinking as you're speaking there, uh, Bear, as you're saying the reaction, and George mentioned the reaction to Mark McGee's appointment. Is it is part of the problem to look at the events uh, last week? Was it presentation? Yeah. If, if, if they'd have presented Mark McGee, who only does have a contract to the end of the season, as a Roy Hodgson type, yeah. experienced man to the end of the season would it have gone down a lot better with the fans and then if he does well nobody's going to complain if he keeps them up and keeps them up by a few points nobody's going to complain that he's got given a two year contract after yeah. that no I think so it was, the timing was just horrific I think in terms of obviously James McPick had won his last two games and felt like things had maybe turned after the 
the Hearts game, or at least there was a chance that things were turning. Um, and it just seemed to catch everyone by by surprise, including myself, obviously, because I'd taken a holiday. But, um, You're allowed, George. <laughs> although, Sometimes. Although, can I ask my former sports editor, did I ever take a holiday at a crucial time of the season? I did uh, come yeah. back off I holiday. mean, a, an official one, other than the ones <laughs> I had most days in the office. <laughs> you might have taken one or two, Tom. <laughs> come, come to think of it, yeah. I, I never counted <laughs> drinking coffee with my feet up on the desk at yeah. work as a holiday bear. I thought it was a great one. <laughs> but I, th- I think, had it happened when, after Dundee had been beaten by Ross County uh, just a couple of weeks ago, if it happened after the 5-0 uh, in, in the autumn, then people would have accepted it a lot more. Even if it was Mark McGee coming in and it was it was kind of billed as he's kind of doing gone track in a favour, he's coming in to help yeah. help out his pal in the time of need and stuff like that. But they just didn't, they basically just didn't, didn't bother with any sort of PR with it yeah. at all and just assumed everyone would understand. But. And they, they, they got a lot of, I found this a bit bizarre, they got a lot of stick for, you know, it's after two wins, they've obviously decided after the Ross County game. Yeah. And they've been speaking to people when they've got a manager and that's not fair on the manager. But it's business and it's a tough business. I think, the managers yeah. know that. Is it not? Is the lesson they learn from this is if at any time a manager's got a struggle at the wrong end of the league, they have to have options. And that's just, a, it's not it's not fair on a personal level, but on a business level, because as you say, if they'd come out in the night or the day after the Ross County game, they wouldn't have got the pelters they got. No. And then someone comes right in, they're like, well, that's, I mean, I've, I've, could never claim to have lavished John Nelms with praise in the past, <laughs> to say the least. But if he'd brought in someone or dismissed McPake after the Ross County game and brought someone in, then people would have said that's necessary. Exactly. I think that's, yeah, I think that's undoubted. Um, and, the fact that nobody saw it coming, even at the club, I think didn't help either. Because I spoke to some of the players last week, things might have changed since then, but they really weren't happy with the way the manager had been treated. Uh, and that obviously gives the new manager an issue coming in that he has to solve uh, or get the players on side uh, and with him. Um, which I've no doubt will happen because they're all professional and they've been around the block a lot. But um, it just created a lot of problems that didn't need to be there, I think from John Nelms uh, yeah. and Dundee. I, I think... I always like players not being happy with the way a manager's been treated. Win more games, then you'll get treated <laughs> I know, better. there is that. No, um, it's, but, it's, yeah, I think he obviously hasn't won any more friends than they, they had before, I'm not sure, uh, Mr. Nelms. Uh, but he doesn't really speak no. to anybody, which I, George, I think is... Is there not a criticism that we can level it, that American owners and John Nelms in particular because his, his job has been recruitment of managers yeah. and not just the recruitment of managers which some have, some have done well some haven't done so well but the way they handle the whole scenario of recruiting a manager there always seems to be a, a background story to Dundee is he going to come yeah. we've yeah. missed him we'll try again you know there's nothing's cut and dry now you respect the fact I think as, as much I caught everyone by surprise which suggests there's very little comes out of Dens, and you well know that, George, being the Dundee... Dundee <laughs> well, he didn't tell anyone. From, from the boardroom. Yeah. It's very uh, difficult to get anything out of, them, out, out, out of them at all. Yeah. But it can backfire at times as well. Exactly, because he did, not speaking to anybody means that he, he doesn't really gauge the temperature, I, th- I think, of the, the fans at that moment. And I think that's 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 been an issue uh, that hasn't helped. 
But then if, if Mark McGee goes and keeps him up, then John Elms won't care, I don't think. It's also the case that Mark McGee's had to, had to field some pretty tricky yeah. interviews. They made it hard for Mark yeah. McGee. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. and sorry, yeah. I, my, my attitude when I was in your position, George, was it didn't matter what my personal relationship with mm. a manager was. Uh, and, it, and it helped a bit if I, I had a good relationship with them because when they were doing well, I'd say, by the way, when the king is dead, it's a case of long live the king. Yeah. It's, I, I've got a job to do. I'm working with the next manager. I'm wanting to know. I'm wanting to know what he's doing, what's happening at the club while he's there. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's given Mark McGee. I, I, don't, I don't know that he handled his interview on the BBC perfectly last week, but I think it is his age. He doesn't care. He's with <laughs> his experience. He's no he's no bothered about keeping in with anybody. But. Um, they put him in a difficult position in the so. sense, and he's wanting to get on. He's wanting to go on with working with the team, and but but there was a there was a forensic examination of uh, will you be on the training pitch all the time, and yeah, what are you, and all that. Well, most managers most managers will tell you at the start of their managerial career they spent a lot more time on mm -hmm. the training pitch than they did towards the end, and and it's a results game. Uh, I mean, I remember speaking to a couple of. Celtic players who played under Martin O'Neill, some weeks they didn't see him till a Friday. Mm -hmm. Steve Walford took. They didn't even see John Robertson, who was his assistant. It was Steve Walford, the coaches. It's a. It's about what works, and he was left in a position where he had to. He had to explain things that normally he wouldn't even be asked. Ah, exactly. He was asked a lot about James McPeak as well, which I, th I thought was a bit. I didn't think it was particularly fair on Martin McGee, although he obviously. If he's going to get offered a job, he's going to take it. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's particularly fair on James McPeak either, because I don't think he wants Mark McGee talking about him. No. Uh, so there was a lot of that, which I found strange. But but that those would be questions that would never had they handled it properly that, that they wouldn't have come up at all. Um, so yeah, I think you had to do a bit of firefighting. But you handled everything uh, with pretty good humour, and and you couldn't quite remember everyone's names, and maybe didn't remember who the captain who the was, captain was which didn't help um but he's, he's a very experienced manager he's, sign of his honesty by the way because it was him that laughed in hell like, i've just said you can't tell me anything but i don't, don't actually yeah. know who the captain is he did he guess it he did honest. guess it right but he, he could also he could also have with a one-word lie handled that question by saying no exactly <laughs> no i'm not changing the captain yeah and so it's so unfairness to him there and and like you say it, he knows, no doubt, the bottom line. If if he wins the next two games, mm -hmm. it's kind of it's quickly it's forgotten. all forgotten. About. Yeah, and that that's that's the thing that I was kind of saying about getting the home crowd on, on side. The, the only way they can do that is by getting the team playing well. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see if that happens. And the thing is, it's obviously a management team. Uh, Mark McGee and Simon Rusk they worked together at Stockport and the kind of the other way around. But I don't think that really changed much. Yeah, another thing, people people in football have short memories. Everybody loved Ivano and Dario Benetti. Uh -huh. they, swapped, they swapped roles from club to club. Ivano was manager at Dundee because he spoke better English. Dario was the assistant manager. Didn't matter. It helped with them that they were brothers. Uh -huh. They did the same jobs, whatever their title was, when they were together at a club. And uh, th this thing that one of them is, it, it happened a lot um, George George Graham and Stuart Houston was it going way mm -hmm, back yeah. where uh, Stuart Houston was his assistant and then was he his boss? His boss. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Simon Ross will be doing the, the coaching uh, and Mark McGee will be 
fronting up and speaking to us and doing all all the all that sort of stuff to kind of help. Well, I, I suppose take any pressure off Simon Ruscott. I would say in terms of having to deal with with us as dirty journalists and all that sort of stuff. But well, I think you are. I, I, there's no time for your profession now that I've left it. <laughs> well, enough enough of that. Now we'll look to United and another good Tannadice result against Rangers. So, Ewan, a great... Oh, Ewan's not turned up today. He's not. Not our, not our broth. Broth snood in sight. He was injured in the warm-up. Pulled out. What were we going... Well, apparently United played on Sunday. Bear. And drew with Rangers. You know, I, I'll do this, and this is a thing that, you, that, that I'll say now that I'm on the outside, so to speak. With both United and Dundee at the weekend, it depressed me that one team getting a home draw and another team losing by a goal. They were basically regarded as shock by a lot of people because the opposition was the old firm. It's a wee bit depressing. Just more than a wee bit, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I think you can take the, <clears throat> the positives and a big positive for Dundee United, obviously, is they got the point where, where Dundee did not get the point. And fair play to them. I watched the game. Um, and if, if, if Dundee can learn anything from Dundee United this season, it's the way Dundee United defend. Because if you watch them, they rode their luck a wee bit at times against Rangers. Maybe more than a wee bit at times. But if you watch the way Dundee United defend, they continually have eight men inside that box. And in, in good areas as well. They're not all sucked to the ball. They're not all sort of all over the top of one another. They take up good positions. In fact, if you look at the way United set themselves up in that, in that box, have you, have you stopped to play at, at one time and tried to actually pass the ball into the net? You'd have great difficulty doing it, Tom, because they're yeah. well shaped up in there within that line. The only time they lost it was for the Rangers' goal. I think it's Dylan Levitt, who just, just is a yard off. Hmm. Uh, uh, Joe Rebo, I think, got the goal. Bassi goes down the line. Joe Rebo's got half a yard on, on Levin. By the time he gets back to him, it's too late and it's in the back of the net. But a lot of people say Dundee United were lucky, but they're not. We've seen Dundee United do that time and time again this season, throwing their bodies on the line and defending really well. And also, able to get up the park. Maybe not so much so on Sunday. I thought Rangers were, were, were pretty good, I have to say, with the ball. I thought Ryan Kent was fantastic. Joe Rebo. Great for the goal. Yeah, yeah. They've got a lot They've got a lot going for them. But here, and they're on a high as well. They've just come back from a terrific performance in Europe where they've thumped one of the, the top teams in Europe, Borussia Dortmund, 4-2 on their own patch. So Rangers are no mugs. So it was a, it was a great defensive display from United. And I think, I think they merited their the luck. And fair play to the, the young lad, Ross Graham, who, you know... Everybody thought it was his twenty first birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no, and was it not the case? Was it not the case in the first half that he rivaled uh, Benjamin Segrist for save of the season? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you get away with it, it's not a penalty. Yeah, yeah there was a there was a bit of that. But he had everything in, in his game, and you know uh, he, he could have been off the park quite easily on another day for for you know the pullback on yeah. the Rangers player in front of goal. But I think over the piece it was. You know, he seems to have just come in and slotted perfectly into that United back line. And it's a never-ending story for Tam Courts this season the way he just plucks youngsters out of the academy and, and puts them in and they, and they do a job well, for that, them. That's the perfect example of that. Because yeah. at Dunfermline, he, he was, the young lad was getting slaughtered because the way Dunfermline started the season, they were really poor. He was, he was getting pelters for his performances. Then couldn't get a game for Dunfermline and suddenly he's, he's chucked into the United team and it, it doesn't look out of place at all. Yeah. But he's a 
he's got a different experience and quality around him than the United, <laughs> yeah, isn't he? But also, I think he's, he's one of those. Generally, you look at a young player and you, you think, oh, he's got he's got to fill out. He's got a bit. Of, but Ross Graham, he looks like he looks like a top yeah. flight centre half. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can see that. He's got the goal. physical build for he, it. He kind of just muscled uh, was a Hellander out of the way, and mm-hmm. it, it was his ball all, all day long. The defender should have defended it better but he made sure he was he was getting on the end of it well his dad was his dad was a striker and scored umpteen goals in junior football also yeah. went on to senior football as well and scored a few so he should have that in his locker <laughs> certainly and was apparently hopeless according to a former United manager on the radio I should point out, I'm referring to Craig Levine but our mate so I think it was a joke yeah, yeah no uh, great for the lad and great for Tom Coach like you said I mean he goes to Dunfermline and and people are going, you know, what's, why, why is he so poor at Dunfermline and so good at United? That's not the case one bit. He's obviously, you know, he's gone to Dunfermline side who are at sixes and sevens defensively. He's finding he's having, he's, he's yeah. being exposed at Dundee United. It doesn't happen. We've said that. They come out of the academy. What they're doing on the training ground is mirrored on the park. They go and slot into their role. Mm-hmm. They're not asked to do any more than their role because they know they've got guys like Charlie Mulgrew and you've got guys like Ryan Edwards, you know, Levitt. The guys in front of you are all doing their job. I thought... He'll marry Niskanen a bit. He didn't think he was coming to Tannadice to play left back, but he did a bit of that <laughs> on... Uh, but the energy level he showed throughout yeah. that game to protect that lead for, you know, for so long, you know, just just amazing the work level. And they all slot in and do a job. And that's the secret to United's success this season. And as much as you can put, point to the players that we talk, talked about, the manager's got to take a, a mm-hmm. lot of credit for that because what he's doing on the training ground is obviously working on the park. But it wasn't just defensive. No, it wasn't. Not at all, no. I, I only heard the first half on the radio while I was out and about doing stuff. It sounded like they'd really pushed Rangers back for a lot of that first half and were really getting at it. Weathered an early storm and yeah, then yeah. were on top. And it shows you that there's real ability there as well that you can. That the Rangers, as you say, Rangers have just thumped Bruce Dortmund on, on their own patch and, and United are pushing them back. And, and actually, going back to you mentioned about their defensive organisation, one thing I think is telling me. The, the goal was the defending team's always going to be disappointed. The goal, a great bit of wing play to to age drop again. I remember uh, before he marked his cousin Duncan Campbell in a derby. Jim McAnally said to me, "said When you're playing fullback against a winger with pace, you can have eight to eight minutes of the game, but once or twice, he's going to get past you. Mm. And if if your central defenders don't deal with that, or somebody else doesn't deal with it." Everybody remembers you, so I, I feel for you right the wee bit. It was a great piece of play, but I thought it, it was an exception and Kent got into the box, remained calm, picked someone out. Watching watching the game, the number of times as the game went on, the, the ball went into the box and Rangers players, instead of holding their position because it wasn't going directly to them, were all running towards it. And that, that's testimony to United's organisation because these, these guys are good players, but the... the they knew they weren't getting space. They knew they weren't getting there, and they ended up doing the wrong thing. And mm. and in that sense, United were a wee bit wee bit unlucky. But you can't. In fairness to the boy Kent, it was a great great piece of play to set up the goal. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Well, that's what happens in games with time. You know, Rangers start off and they're coming off off the back of the and they do good things. But as the game progresses, they become more and more frustrated, and they start doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And that's when you know that United were actually doing the correct things yeah. at the back. Um, but I have to say, Rangers, again, were relentless. Um, and I, I think it's a sign nowadays. You see how difficult it is 
against the old firm, you know, to keep them out for 90 minutes, the way they're playing the game. In the past, in the past, you would always, because the pressure was on for Rangers and certainly to get the ball in the box, they would lump it in from, from wherever at mm. times. And that was just giving the ball away. Now they don't do that so much. There is more a, a European feel to the way they play the game. They keep possession and they will go down the side and if they can't get down one side, they'll come back out and go down the other side. But they do have real quality. But United were, to a man, were fantastic at the back. You know, you're talking about the times they did get past the full-backs. More often than not, when they did get past the full-backs, when that ball came in to the box, Tom, along the six-yard line, it was Edwards throwing himself at the ball. It was Mulgrew. It was, uh, you know, it was Ross Graham who was getting in there first because they'd taken up good positions in the first place. You never saw Rangers by a clear, a clear effort of goal. And when they did get it, who's there? Who's in, on the line to stop them? Benjamin Seagrass mm. yet again, yeah. you know, currently. Just before we go to Seagrass, Mulgrew, funnily enough, when he, when he hangs up his, his boots, he'll be remembered as a footballing defender who could also play midfield. But... And that, certainly when he was on loan as a kid at United, uh, when he was a left back, uh, that's the way I I thought, your problems defensively. Mm -hmm. But now late in his career, he, he's another one that puts his body on the line. He puts he, he puts himself in between the ball and the goal yeah. and he'll take the hits for it. It's a, a great testimony to all of them, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That, that'll come from experience. Just obviously he's defended it. Defended at a high, high that sounded weird. Defend, it sounds like he's in court or something. He's defended at a high <laughs> level for a long time in the English Championship. And obviously, I, I thought he's been excellent for Scotland over the past few years uh, as well. And, and you, you don't play in those games if if you can if you can only play a bit, but you can't defend. So I think uh, certainly something that he's added because I, I remember I don't quite remember him, at United, but I remember around that time when he was f first coming through, and he was a really attacking left back, wasn't he? The, Good crosses yes. and free kicks and stuff. George, you should remember him. It was a Dunhamer's legend, Gordon Chisholm, that brought him to Tannis. Right, okay. Uh, I don't. I remember him at Aberdeen, but I'm afraid it's before. I was a kid. He was a, but again, it, it was what he did with the ball. Although uh, speaking to a few uh, youth coaches down the years, funnily enough, they're always uh, they were often critical when their team brought in a Rangers or Celtic defender who was 18, 19 mm. on loan. Because they say they never actually they learn to defend in the first team in the big games or when they get transferred to someone else. Because at youth level, Rangers <laughs> and Celtic players don't really defend very often. Mm. And and there's always the the feeling that you're you're improving a player for Rangers and Celtic to play against you in, in the future. Uh, which is always I don't know whether you should sometimes be a bit more selfish with those sort of things. But but then if you're going to get a good player, uh, if you get a player that helps you win points, yeah, that'll do me. <laughs> Anybody who wants to come done to come to Dundee, they can improve themselves for someone else as long as they're winning games. <laughs> I think it's fair. I I I went back to central defence from the goalkeeper, but Bear through his roots mentioned Seagrass. He was another one. I don't know why Rangers didn't go for him. Quite frankly, in January or somebody didn't go for him in January, and I and I think. Uh, as honourable as United are being and trying to persuade him to stay, just the level of his performance game in game out this season, mm -hmm. it's hard. To, it's hard it, it, if I'm United, I'm looking for a replacement, whether it's the, the guys they've already got or somewhere else, because he's very good. He is very good. And, you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes if he has actually agreed a deal with someone. It wouldn't surprise me, but he's such an honourable sort of guy. Yeah. 
he's, uh, is going to be kept hush hush mm. right through. You know, he, uh, that, that was one of the the things he's always stipulated. I may not be, I may be wrong, but he's such a good keeper. You know, he's you would think he's got things certainly in, in the pipeline. There's no doubt about that because he keeps producing week in week out, and it's not it's not it's it's not just the saves. He comes for crosses. You know, he'll come and punch the ball. His organisational skills, he kicks the ball really well. He just brings an air of confidence to that to that back line. Um, because, believe me, that could be undermined very quickly. If you're a keeper, the back line's playing well and the keeper, we've seen it. Mm. We've seen it. We've got, in the past, where the keeper will throw a goal in the net and suddenly a back line that looks completely secure gets the jitters and they don't yeah. have any faith in their keeper behind yeah. them and, and they suddenly start going for balls that he should be coming for and before you know where you are, you're losing goal left and centre, but that just doesn't happen with him. He's brave, as we saw on Sunday. Um, you know, he took a sore one on, on, on the nose, <laughs> but uh, he kept the ball out and that's, even when the ball was in the net, Tom, he nearly, he nearly kept yeah. that. He got a strong hand to it. It was just the power of the shot from Aribo. If he'd been a wee bit further out, that mm. he might have got it up and onto the bar. He's just such a difficult keeper to beat. And the quicker he goes from Dundee United, the better time because Dundee never forget about past. I was, I was going to say more on a, on a plus point. For you. I mean, you, you as a keeper will know this better yeah. than us, or a former keeper, I should say now. Uh, but it's noticeable. See again, these wee things about like the United defence and the Rangers mm-hmm. players doing the wrong things. When the ball comes into the United box. You very rarely see a United central defender look to see what the goalkeeper's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they know, and it's great to have that confidence in your goalkeeper that you just got on with your job and you almost know without watching that you're not going for this ball because he's coming or you're going for it because he's not going to come. No, and that's, that's not luck. That's, that's just purely down to communication. He's obviously, I mean, you, you, you can't hear it on the part, but he obviously lets the defenders know exactly where he is and they know, but there is a... There is a background thing as well. They're, they're, they've got a feeling as well for it, Tom, that when a ball goes into a certain area, he'll be there. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time he is there. So, yeah, you know, just... But the whole... Uh, 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 breeds confidence, and that's what you're seeing. When United, and it's the backbone of their success this season. Let's just have a look at the, the goals they've lost this season. Uh, let's see, 28 and 27 games. And, but they've had, they've had quite a few clean sheets, George. Yeah, I mean, right, I'm, I'm not... Yeah. We've not got the start man on today to give us it, but you'll be... I'll be more than half a dozen. I mean, I think it was, I think somebody said of I think it's 26. I think, is it? Sorry. <laughs> no, I made that up. Well, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Just sound confident. Most said, people will believe United it. United have had, had six 1 0 wins and another four 1 0 ah, draws. How many points yeah. is he exactly. worth? Yeah. I was just thinking they were made a big play, and rightly so, about Ian Harks uh, last week about his, his four or five goals, whatever, being worth a place in the quarterfinals of the Cup in seven points uh, in three games mm. that he scored the only goal but these clean sheets if almost every one of those clean sheets as well as United have defended as a unit have involved a very good Seagrass save yeah well that's it's there's not many defences we've answered I thought somebody passed wind there <laughs> it's a squeaky seat it's a squeaky seat squeaky I squeaky continue honest honest it's squeaky seat apologies for my child apologies to the listeners out there it was a squeaky seat but um, well, there's not going to be too many defences around the world uh, that prevent the opposition getting at least one shot on your goal or yeah. from a good good area at least. So you you have to have a good goalkeeper, uh, and United certainly have one. I, I was surprised that he didn't get picked up in the summer. I think maybe the injury 
Yeah. Remember the injury that they thought was a really bad one. I think that may, maybe it was timed quite well. You don't want to get a player injured, but in terms of United, it might have been wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the first time a club over egged an injury <laughs> to, to a key player. Oh, uh, it's okay. <laughs> we thought it'd be nine months, it was nine days. Exactly. So I think it's worked out in United's favour, and it's he very much seems like he, he enjoys life at Tanadice. Spoke to him. Obviously, I don't do United that that much these days, but spoke to him a, a while ago, and he's very kind of down to earth and pleasant guy. Uh, it's one, knows, he's one you're glad to see do well. I remember yeah, speaking exactly. to him when he first arrived. He's such a nice lad, and, and he knows. I think he, he's got supreme confidence in himself that where level he can reach, and, and he'd be ambitious as well. United would prefer to keep him back. I think he sees he sees maybe his future elsewhere, but. He's been been a great servant. Even if he does disappear in the summer, he's, he's been brilliant for United since he's been here. And it's Aberdeen on Saturday. Where it's a quiet day sounds like they're up against two excellent <laughs> managers. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Goodwin. No, he's, he's he made clear he was taking the he was taking the team at Motherwell last week. Although he hadn't taken any uh, training sessions, he'll be take he'll have taken Aberdeen all week. So he'll have more of a stamp on him, but maybe more more problematic for United. Alec Ferguson's going to be in the stand, and the place will be buzzing because of that. I think so. I think it. I think the whole place will be buzzing because it's it's a kind of the start of a new era. Anyway, as you say, with Jim Goodwin coming in, that's something that we're talking about. A new manager at the end, you want the new manager bounce, and that's what Aberdeen are looking for. Um, and they've got a good one, I, I think, in Jim, Jim Goodwin. Um, I don't, will he like having their greatest ever manager looking over his shoulder from the stand? It wouldn't be my choice for my first home <laughs> game, I must admit. Um, but it's an interesting one. If, if, uh, I think United will want to spoil that party, I would imagine. It might be a, quite, a, quite a good one to spoil. It would be a good one to spoil, and just to stay in Aberdeen for a wee bit there. No, no pressure on Jim Goodwin. The last two managers Aberdeen have taken from St Martin, one one made them the dominant force in Scottish football and won them a European trophy. The other one, in Alex Smith, won two Scot won both cup competitions in the same season. Yeah. So Aberdeen fans will be expecting a lot, Mister Goodwin. No pressure there. No pressure there. Exactly. I like Jim Goodwin as well. I think. He, he did. He's done well. At, you know, every club he's been at, St. Mirren, he, he, he done done incredibly well there. Getting them into the Premier League, they look like a Premier League team now. They look pretty solid where they're at. Um, he, you know, he, he builds strong teams. What I like about him most, though, he's an honest manager. He, he, when he comes on and speaks in his after-match interviews, he sees the same game as I see mm -hmm. and as the fans see. He doesn't try to cover anything up out of his teams. He's the same game. Did he have four pints in the high corner before the game as well? <laughs> if he was going to watch Dundee, he would huff it. Down, <laughs> really. um, but I like him, but he's now moved into to a club where the, the expectancy level is, is far higher. There is a case that many Aberdeen fans think they should be a minimum of third. And I think he, he appreciates that, what he's going into and the level he has to get this this team to because they're, they're, not, they're not at that. There is a... There is a case that they could finish in the bottom six this season, you know, depending on what happens. I would doubt that now, now that he's taken over. I think mm. you'll see them picking up more points than losing points. So, 
Yeah, uh, you know, there is there is that expectation level. Alec Ferguson will be behind him on Saturday, but supporting him fully as Alec Ferguson always does with, with Aberdeen managers. And it'll be a, a, a tough one, but a good game for United. You're right, George. Eh? And you wonder if there's a wee bit of, you know, carryover from that last game at Tarlis, you know, when there was a wee bit of, you know, the issue with, was it, yeah. was it with this, the, the sending the, off. The half yeah. sending off. Yeah, so you wonder if that's going to carry into it. Let's hope so. Let's dig that up before. Yeah, let's, let's, hope get, so. let's get it in the Let's hope it's job. a fiery affair. <laughs> Great stuff, chaps. After this, we'll briefly look at our growth because Ewan's not here. <laughs> yes, George, as I say, Ewan's not here and your team. Should have been them. Exactly. You were there, weren't you? We were both there. Sad, sad as we are. What a way to spend your holiday, for I know. goodness sake. I know, but we, well, I, I was quite encouraged by my team because we should have beat our both. Our both were top. We but you're wrong. working in Tayside now. Is, that, is that our both bubble burst? No, I don't, well, as long as they don't keep playing like that, they weren't good at Palmerston. Um, if they can just, but they still picked up a point, which is the kind of sign of, of a it's a sign of how much they've come on. It's been a I great so. result in previous seasons, yeah. but everyone's disappointed for them and they'll be disappointed. So, but they're still top of the league. They picked up a point when they really didn't play well and didn't show much. I think Craig White had, had one shot in the first half that probably should have scored and that was about it. Um, but they came away with it with a good away point. And the Championship, I mean, we've all watched the Championship over the past few years. It's extremely difficult. Um, if they can get back up to, up to speed in, in the next couple of games, then... Still well in with a shout, but Kilmarnock are looking uh, pretty ominous, I would say, at the moment. Just looking at even you just look at their bench, it's, it's a premiership bench. Um, but I still fancy our both to, to pick up again. I think I'll go right to the wire. I think yeah. uh, our both, a good point on, on Saturday, like George says, ominous cloud on the horizon uh, in Kilmarnock. The fact I beat them a few weeks ago and, and seemed to shake them off a wee bit, but now they're right back on their. Their coattails again, and after a good victory, Kyle Lafferty's scoring, which mm. has got to be a worry for the rest of the clubs in that division. Has Derek McInnes finally got them, you know, on the on the road to, you know, the Premier League? We'll have to wait and see. But our growth will go all. There's no doubt. Whatever happens, our growth will will push them all away. I've no doubt about that. Great stuff. And if you're listening, Ewan, we're not speaking about our growth next week. <laughs> If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>